Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. It's awesome to be back at Peavine. The last time I was here, Daniel, your executive pastor, ended each service that particular day uh, with a statement. The last statement he made, I heard it three times because of the three services, the last statement he made was, if Pastor Joel was here today, he would not say you're dismissed. He would say you're sent. And he actually clapped his hand. So the first time I heard that in the o'clock service at the end, I thought, I like that. That's neat. The second time I heard it, if Pastor Joel was here today, he would not say you're dismissed. He would say you're sent. In my mind, I thought, if I lived in this area, I would join this church. And the third time he said it, if Pastor Joel was here today, he would say you're not dismissed. You're sent. I drove back to my house, took about two hours, and I was ready to do something for the kingdom. It was just motivated me because that is exactly why the church exists. In fact, it, it's not that God has given a mission to the church. He has, but that's actually not the impact of it. The reason there's a church is God has a church to fulfill his mission. We exist for no other reason. God has a mission to redeem people. And uh, I want to preach on that day that we are a sent people, which in some ways seems strange because in this church, you're led by a very missional pastor and a very missional staff. Missional just simply meaning uh, they believe we're to be sent, which is why Daniel would end those services in that way. And if you look at your website, uh, you've got the, the big mission, we want to reach everybody. Which, by the way, if that's all you said, it wouldn't mean anything because it's just too big. We want to reach everybody. Well, you do. Then it breaks it down, those four specific things. I won't go through them, but like the first one says, uh, we may not agree as one church. We may not agree on everything. We're going to agree on the main thing. The main thing is we're sent. We want to reach people. Then there's a couple more. And the last one says that every person, uh, the goal is that every person ought to reach their corner. I, I call it your circle of influence. Joe calls it your corner, whatever part of uh, this area. In fact, you've invented a name. There's no such thing as Peavine City on the map, but it's Peavine City. In other words, this is our sphere of influence. We want to reach people. To reach people, uh, we have to uh, impact people in our sphere of influence. And, and the reason it seems strange to me that you preach this, you think, well, I mean, this is what we're about. But let me say two other things. First of all, uh, some of you have bought into being sent, and, and that's why the church is doing what it's doing. That's why uh, the first time I was here, I think y'all gave a, a big cookie to, to every educator. This time y'all have given 10,000 uh, water bottles out. So somebody's buying into it because the staff or pastor can't do that by himself. And I would say as I talk about being sent today, I hope this is an encouragement. You're, ex you're doing exactly what you ought to be doing. We should be sent. And then there's a second type of person here today. There's a person who used to be sent. You used to live sent. And you know the thrill. You, you know... You know the joy of waking up every morning, uh, not just trying to make it through the day, but you actually feel like you have a purpose. You're living sent, but something's happened, whether it's just uh, the COVID thing or a job change or I've just got my eyes off Christ, but, but, but you don't really live sent anymore. So I want to encourage you, 
the church needs you on the team. You need to live sent. Then there's a person who comes and you've never lived sent. I mean, you enjoy what you just saw. You enjoy the water bottles. You enjoy the baptisms. You enjoy people being discipled. Uh, but you've never really lived since. So I want you to listen closely to the message because we're all to live sent. Let, let me uh, introduce this with a couple of verses. John 17, 18 says this. Uh, Jesus is praying in John 17. He's going to be crucified the next day. So he, he's praying to the Father. We call it the high priestly prayer. And he says to God, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So in John 17, he talks to the Father about us. Uh, Father, you sent me, and I've sent them. And then in John 20, 21, this is after the resurrection. So John 17 is before the crucifixion. John uh, 20 is after the resurrection. Jesus is speaking now to his disciples, which includes us. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You And so, uh, in this particular verse, he talks to us about what the Father wants us to do. Uh, the Father sent me, and so I'm sending you, j just in the same way the Father has sent me, which is a tremendous verse, because how did the Father send Jesus? He, he provided everything. He, he protected him. He gave him provision. Uh, he gave him a plan. He gave him purpose. He, he equipped him with the power. He's saying in the exact same way the Father has sent me, so send I you. Paul expands on this in 2 Corinthians 5.20 and says this. You're an ambassador. That you, you, an ambassador is a sent when you are an ambassador. And I would not say this if the verse didn't say it because it almost sounds unbelievable. Paul says you're an ambassador. It's as though God was making his appeal through you. What he's saying is when you stop at the quick trip tomorrow and get a cup of coffee after you buy some gas and you have just a moment there and you share a little bit about Jesus. Paul says, that's not just you sharing Jesus. That's the Father making an appeal through you, which means our life is very significant. And all through Scripture, we find people who've been sent. In fact, that's what the Bible's about. It's about the mission of God. He wants to redeem people. He sends people. And all these biblical heroes and biblical characters that we come across, they are people who've been sent. When God wanted a, a great nation, he sent Abraham. When God wanted the Someone to build an ark to, to redeem the human race, he sent Noah. Uh, when God wanted his people rescued from Egypt and Egyptian rule, he sent Moses. When God wanted his people preserved from some evil men, he sent Esther. When God wanted someone to prepare the way for Jesus, he sent John the Baptist. Jordan River, we're coming up on the Christmas time in just a few weeks. When God wanted to send his son to the world, he sent Mary. In other words, he always sends people. I think all of us would agree with this. The question I want to answer today is, so what does this look like? If, if I'm to be an ambassador, if I'm to live sent, what would be the traits in my life? I want to read from Isaiah chapter 6, uh, those first eight verses, if you want to read with me, Isaiah 6. And, and Isaiah 6, obviously, is a famous chapter. It's famous because it is the classic example of someone who's called. It's the classic example of someone who is being sent, and God's going to use those words. Who, who will go for us? Who shall we send? And the response is going to be from Isaiah, here I am, send me. He's going to be someone who is sent. I want to talk about three simple truths that we find today, and, and they're, they're simplistic truths that I think always are evident in the life of the person who lives sent. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, 
And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. He was high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphims, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were living. Excuse me, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Reminds me of, of uh, kids on a playground picking for a team and somebody saying, pick me, pick me. And that's what Isaiah is saying. God wasn't really talking to him. God was uh, just talking among the Godhead there, the Trinity. And Isaiah overheard it. And, of course, there's a call uh, that's for everybody. In other words, it's for, not only for Isaiah, but it's for all of us. And, and so let me tell you three simplistic truths that I think are always in the life of the person who lives sin. And I think the person who used to live sent, because you, you can choose not to live that way anymore, uh, loses at least one or two of these characteristics. First of all, uh, sent people worship Jesus. Sent people worship Jesus. And th- this is huge. Sent people worship Jesus. And John, the Gospel of John, John says this. He says, Isaiah spoke of him or or spoke of this when he saw Jesus. In other words, when he says, I saw the Lord, uh, this is one of those Old Testament instances where Jesus appears. So he looks up and he sees Jesus. And and there's two types of worship. There's corporate worship, which is what we're going to do today. And so I'm going to kind of talk more about corporate worship. Uh, Probably what's more important than corporate worship, and there's no probably to it, is just your daily individual worship of God. And the reason for that is because we only come to church a certain amount of time and uh, that individual walk with God. And I can promise you this, anytime you see any leader, and let's just say it's a well-known leader because we'd all know a well-known leader. You see a well-known leader in the Christian world commit some kind of immoral sin that just kind of devastates their ministry. I mean, just, 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 just allows them to never really have that kind of ministry again we can name certain things. We can talk about some kind of immorality. We can talk about embezzling money. We can talk about something. That's the tip of the iceberg. The reality is the first step away from being sent to that person, the first step away from being used of God, somehow they lost their intimate walk with God every day. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but it adds up over time. For example, uh, I got about 4.30 this morning and had what we call our quiet time, devotion time, and so on. Uh, the reality is, I could probably miss this morning. You might not notice it. I might could miss tomorrow. There would come a day when probably some cracks would appear in my life. One of the most awesome things you can do is to worship God. So, so w- sent people worship the Lord. And, and let me t- tell you three things we ought to do when we worship. And I'm just going to use Sunday morning. And I know we can worship Friday night. I know I preach in churches that worship, have a work, Saturday night service. 
and so on. But let's just take Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday morning was a typical day for the New Testament church to worship, as you know, because Jesus was resurrected on Sunday morning, on Sunday. And, and the neat thing about Sunday is this. When you, when you gather to worship on Sunday, there's three things I always do. One is I look back. Tell you what I do. I keep short accounts with God. I know I'm going to blow it sometimes. I, I, I know I may have not been my best yesterday, but I want to keep a short account. I don't want every day to be bad. I don't want every day to be out of the will of God. I don't want every day to, to just kind of, kind of take that little step. I want to keep short accounts. So I look back, and here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking back today, because this is the neat thing about grace. Uh, you may have had a bad last week, but you ain't had no bad this week because this is the first day of a week. And the truth is, you may have had a bad year. Hang on, about four or five weeks from now, you don't have this year anymore because 2022 is about to come. Uh, his mercies are new every day. And so I'm going to look back, and I'm going to reflect on my week. I'm going to reflect on in light of what I know about God, in, in light of what Pastor Joel's been preaching Am I living any of it? Am I actually applying any of it? Is there anything that I'm not doing? So I'm going to look back, and so what it means is there's a constant growth in my life. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to grow to be more of what Jesus wants to be. So I'm going to look back as I worship. Then I'm going to look up, and that's what Isaiah did. He looked up. And what I'm going to do when I look up, I'm going to gaze on the eternal truth of God. Now, I don't know what that truth may be because he's God. It could be a dozen things. In, in, in this particular instance in Isaiah 6, he looked up and he saw the holiness of God. I don't see that every time. Uh, sometimes I look up and I see uh, the grace of God. Sometimes I look up and I see the mercy of God. Sometimes I look up and you fill the blank in. He, he's an awesome God. So he, he looked up and he gazed on the eternal truth of God. And he drew strength from that. Listen, the reason we have worship is twofold. One is, and this is the ultimate, it brings glory to God. A second reason on earth that we have worship, worship for the sent person is the fuel for our ministry. Man, you can go before God, and you know this if you're a worshiper. You can go before God, and you're discouraged, and there's something about being in the presence of God, He gives you courage. You can go before God, and you're just confused about the next step, and in His timing, through worship, through his word, through prayer, he has a unique way of giving you the right step to take. And so you gaze on the eternal truth of God. And all of a sudden you become more like God wants you to be. You become more of a sent person. And by gazing on God, wisdom develops. And what happens when the wisdom develops is you have something to share as a person who is sent. You have something to share as a person who is an ambassador. And I'll give you an example. Let's just use Isaiah. Uh, here is Isaiah, and if you go two or three chapters past chapter 6, it's around chapter 9, uh, he says this about God. Just one verse. In fact, we preach it sometimes around Christmas as we think about the Messiah coming. He says this. He says that a child will be born, but, but then he makes four statements about this child, this, this, this God. He says, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That's just one verse. I mean, there's a whole Bible. That's just one verse. And so you can take that one verse, and in that one verse, 
you could begin to have a private time of prayer and you could begin to look up and the eternal truth of God, you could say, Lord, you're not just a counselor, you're a wonderful counselor. And there may be times you say, I don't know what to do. Uh, Humans can help you. God sends people your way. But through worship, I understand there is an ultimate counselor and his name is Jesus. And, And then I begin to meditate on that eternal truth of God and I find he's everlasting father. Uh, my, my mom was married four times, so to me that means a lot. Hey, there's an everlasting father, and that may mean something to you also. Uh, maybe you're in a time of conflict, saying, I don't have any peace, I don't have any rest, and all of a sudden you meditate, you look up, and turn truth of God, you realize he is peace. And by the way, there's a reason in the John 20, 21 verse, Jesus starts by saying, peace I give to you. You cannot be sent. You will not live sent if you don't have peace. If you don't have the peace of God that passes understanding, if you don't have the peace of God from salvation, you will not be a consistent witness. You will not be a consistent ambassador as a sent person. And so sent people worship Jesus. And then I look back, I I look up, then I'm going to look ahead. What do you mean look ahead? In, In light of looking back, keeping short accounts, in light of looking up and gazing on the eternal truth of God, I'm going to look ahead. And by looking ahead, I'm going to define what am I going to do tomorrow? I'm going to define how am I going to live this week? Uh, For example, a a non-negotiable for me. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to make sure I'm up early enough that before I start my day, I'm going to have a walk with God. I'm going to meet God. And I want to have enough time to understand that sometimes I meet with God and when I meet with God one-on-one, sometimes I read a passage where he says, for example, I may read about the Pharisees. He may say, well, you are a Pharisee. Or, or I may read about a David and Goliath. He may say, hey, you've got a giant. The difference in you and David is he went forth and obeyed me. You need to obey me. I'll give you an example. In the back of my Bible, uh, I have a little saying from Believing God, which Beth Moore wrote. She, she's got five statements. And uh, her five statements are just anchor points where she says, I base my life on, on these five statements. Reading real quick, they're, they're short. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. And his word is alive and active in me. You know where she got that from? In the mornings with God as she opened scripture. And the same God that will speak to Beth Moore spoke to me in the Hampton Inn this morning. Isn't that amazing? In fact, uh, about two months, if that long, after I became a Christian, I was 19 years old, I began to read a proverb every day. Somebody told me, hey, Billy Graham reads a proverb every day. They said 31 proverbs, no month, more than 31 days. You always have a proverb for every morning. So I read Proverbs 21 today. But here's the neat thing about walking with God. As I read Proverbs 21, I closed it. And in my mind, I thought, man, tomorrow's Proverbs 22. I don't have it memorized, but I've been reading it for almost 40 years now. And so immediately I thought about that that verse 1 of Proverbs 22. A good name is to be chosen above great riches. And I began to think, Lord, I mean, it wasn't even my proverb that I began to think, Lord, give me a good name. Because I'll tell you how important it is. If I don't have a good name, Pastor Joel does not want me to come here. If Pastor Joel thinks about Steve Foster and the first thought is he's unfaithful. If the first thought is, man, that guy used to be on fire for God. He's on the sidelines now. A good name is to be chosen above great riches because if your name has a character behind it and the mark of God on it, 
God opens all kind of doors. And, 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 and so we worship God. Mark Batson said, said this, worship reframes our problems and refocuses our lives. Isn't that true? How often do we go to the Word of God? How often do we go to prayer? How often do we come to corporate worship? And we think the weight of the world is on our shoulder, and the reality is, through worship, our problems don't seem near as big, and our lives get more refocused to serve God. Sent people worship Jesus. Secondly, uh, sent people are defined by their repentance, not by their sin. Let me say something at this point. Uh, I wrote this message about two weeks ago, and I listed something on this point about repentance, about walking in repentance, lives marked by repentance. And as I looked at y'all's website, I saw a phrase that Jeremy, I guess, had preached. And so I emailed him and said, hey, can I use this phrase in a message? He said, use it. Actually, he said, you may want to, may want to talk to Charles Stanley. That's where I got, no. But anyway, uh, he said, use it. And so I want to give him credit for it because I love, I love how he worded uh, this. Sent people are defined by their repentance and not by their sin. The most tragic thing, or maybe I should say the most frightening thing about worship is not when you see God. And I'm just going to tell you, it can be frightening. When Isaiah walked in, and all of a sudden it wasn't just the, you know, the church bulletin he was looking at, all of a sudden he saw the Lord. And when he saw the Lord and saw these it says seraphim, the, the Hebrew word means burning. Was that they, 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 they just burned with a passion. And all he could hear is this over and over, they never stopped. Holy, holy, holy. And he saw the holiness of God. And that word holy doesn't just mean free from sin. It means free from sin. And he's antagonistic against sin. That's why Jesus had to die for God to accept me. It's not just that God has never sinned. It's that he, he, he views sin as the enemy. He, he wars against sin. You may have a translation that translates, I've seen the Lord of hosts. It's the Lord of the armies. It, it means he's a warrior. And he battles sin. He ultimately defeated sin by the cross and the resurrection. And, and we're to live lives marked by repentance. But, but, but the most frightful thing about worship is not when we see God. It's when you see yourself. In Mark 5, there's that man in the cemetery who has all these demons. And Jesus says, what's your name? It's, it's weird because the man says, uh, instead, of the, instead of the man saying, my name is Steve or my name is David, my name is Bill, he says, my name is Legion. That's a Roman number. It'd be like if, if I came here today and you, you came up and said, now what's your name? It'd be like if I gave you my social security number. I mean, it's just a weird thing. But what he's saying is, it, it's not the birth name that's important. He was saying, my name is Legion because I'm controlled by demons. And sometimes in the presence of God, if God says, what's your name? And this is where it gets frightening. My name? My name's pornography. My name? My name is lust. My name's ambition. My name's greed. My name is bitterness. Because when we get in the presence of God, we not only see the glory of God in light of who he is, we see ourselves. I mean, boy, did he see himself. He's in the presence of God, and he doesn't skip out of there like, what's well, sure is nice see everybody. He says, woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm devastated. I'm undone. Why would you be ruined, devastated, and undone? He says, because my eyes have seen the Lord. People who walk in repentance, 
their lips and their lives match. It doesn't mean they're perfect. They keep short account. They don't mind going to work tomorrow or, or sometimes this week looking at somebody and say, well, I tell you what, I, man, I just, I blew a witnessing opportunity. In other words, they're an open book because when they walk in repentance, they just keep those short accounts. Uh, and one of the problems in most churches among a lot of folks who call themselves Christians is what we say we believe and how we live our lives don't always look very similar. And there's a story about a church that burnt down and the a pastor was wondering where will we meet as we seek to build our church back. And a guy owned a bar. He called and said, hey, you may not want to do this, but we're closed on Sunday mornings if you want to use the bar. And the pastor said, you know what? We'll use it. So he met with the bar owner. The bar said, when you use it, uh, you can move everything around, but there's a, there's a parrot that's in a cage. And he's been there 20 years. We've had him for 20 years. Just don't mess with him. He, he, won't, he won't bother y'all. And so the first Sunday when they were going to meet, the story says that the preacher got there early and began to kind of practice his message. He was practicing a joke or two. And the parrot said, what is this? Got a new comedian here today. And, and then uh, the musicians came in, and the parrot said, this is unusual. We got a new band. Uh, but he's going to have Lord's Supper. The deacons came in, began the, sup, the Lord's Supper, pour the grape juice, and the, bar, and the uh, parrot said, we got a new bartender. But the story goes on to say that when the church members came in, the Parrot settled down and said, oh, some things never change. It's the same old crowd as always. <laughs> and people who don't live in repentance don't look much different than the ones that we're sent to. And people who walk with God, people who are sent, live lives marked by repentance. Warren Wiersbe says this, I love it. He says it would be tragic, and this would never happen because it's not God's plan. It would be tragic if there was a throne that didn't have an altar. Because if you only saw the throne, you would quickly realize you don't measure up. But God doesn't just give us a throne. He shows us the throne of Jesus, but he also shows us an altar where we can leave that throne and kneel and seek grace. And the last thing is this. Sent people join Jesus on his mission. Sent people join Jesus on his mission. There's something about the worship. There's something about this repentance that marks Isaiah as unique. I, I've been in church for a long time, and often we have to almost convince people, I mean, hey, we need help, and we name a ministry. Man, we just, we really desperately need help. Isaiah is not even being talked to. I mean, some of us, if we heard God saying, hey, we need such a, or let me just practical thing. If one of the staff members got up here and said, hey, vacation Bible school's coming up, or here's a, here's a ministry, some of us Whenever we hear something about a ministry needing volunteers, we, we no longer keep eye contact. We, we kind of look at the cart. We're hoping maybe Joel doesn't notice me. Maybe, maybe that staff member's not looking at me. Not Isaiah. He's worshiping Jesus. He's repented. And all of a sudden, the grace of God is so awesome that when what we call the Godhead of the Trinity is saying, who shall we send? I mean, he's just over here. They're talking. Who shall we send? Who will go for us? Isaiah's over here. Is, hey, what about me? I'll do it. I'll go. I'll be one who is sent. And sent people join Jesus on his mission. Some of that's got to do with this. I, I think when people worship Jesus, which is the fuel for mission, I, I, I think that when people live lives marked by repentance, not their sin. I, I think they so appreciate the grace of God. It seems like a small thing 
to be sent. David Platt says this. He says passionate worship always leads to personal witness. Always, and he says it twice. Passionate worship always leads to personal witness. Always. You say, well, I know somebody who worships, they don't ever do anything. No, he's talking about biblical worship. He, he's talking about this kind of worship. He's talking about not just gathering, not just music, not just hearing somebody speak. He's talking about real, biblical, passionate worship that's pursuing Jesus and sees Jesus high and lifted up. It changes who we are. There's something about that grace. And we should never get over that grace. Uh, someone said this, if you, if, you, if you leave church today and you're speeding to get home and a policeman pulls you over, he gives you a ticket, that's justice. If he pulls you over and you're really speeding and he gives you a verbal warning, uh, that's mercy. If you're really speeding and he pulls you over and gives you a fresh box of Krispy Kreme donuts, that, that's grace. And you never want to get over the fact, I deserve the justice. I don't deserve anything else. But in the grace of God, he rescues us. Then he, then he comes back after you've been rescued and he says, now... As much time as I allow you to spend on earth, I need you to be my ambassador. I need you to be one that I'm sending to tell others the gospel, which is good news. I want to ask you today, are you living sin? I know the church is, this church is marked by being sent. Not every church is. I, I understand this. You, you probably don't have a Sunday in this church that you don't hear something like we heard from Daniel about water bottles or cookies or or, or, or Christmas gift. I mean, there's something this church is always doing to reach the neighborhoods, to reach the schools, to reach the community. I get it. But let me ask you this. What part are you playing in that? And, and let, let me give you a bonus point. It's not on the screen. Sent people have been saved by Jesus. That's where it starts. Sent people have been saved by Jesus. Sent people have reached the stage where they have asked Christ for that exchange life. If any man be in Christ, if any person be in Christ, they're new creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So I want to ask you this morning, what would you need to do to live sin? As, you, as we worship and you look back, did you live sin since last Sunday? Is your life marked by being sent? You're an ambassador. If not, what would you need to do? Are you sure this morning? That if you died, you'd go to heaven? If not, what would you need to do? I think Joel always uses that ABC. You know, we, we talk about the gospel. Jesus saves. We talk about the gospel. What do I do about the gospel? This is not the gospel. What do I do about the gospel? My response, I admit. Admit I'm a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What do I do? I believe. Believe what? I believe all the things the gospel says that Jesus came born of a virgin he lived a sinless life he died on the cross he rose from the dead he's coming back I believe the gospel and third I commit and confess I confess that Jesus is Lord and I commit my life to Jesus I want every head bowed and every eyes closed we're going to have a time of invitation there's next steps to my left and to my right there'll be a staff member there if you need to make a decision for Christ or if you just need to make a fresh commitment, I want to live as someone who is sent. Make that decision where you are, but you can also come up and, and have someone pray for you. And some of you might say, hey, you talked about things like daily quiet time. I don't know what to do. Hey, great news. You've got a staff who can tell you exactly what you need to do to have a dynamic daily quiet time. 
Thank you, uh, Steve, for that great message. And um, man, we're all about living on mission. And God has a mission for us, and we need to live as sent people on the mission that God has called us to. I love that passage in Isaiah. And God's asking, who's going to go for me? And Isaiah says, Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, I'll go. I will answer the call. And God's call on our life is one of, a, it's a call to repentance in faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's a call to share that message with others. And so if you've never answered the call to begin a relationship with Jesus, it begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. You've offended God with your sin. Your sin has separated you from God. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard I try, there's nothing we can do to fix that separation caused by sin. God fixed it though, by sending Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And if we will simply be willing to admit that we're sinners and believe that Jesus died on the cross and that his blood pays for all of our sins and confess that to him, we will be saved. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And if God has spoken to your heart and you need to give your heart and life to Christ this morning, pray this prayer with me. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. God, I'm asking this morning for your forgiveness. I'm asking you to come into my heart through your Holy Spirit. Take away my sin. Be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time and you meant it, I want to tell you welcome to the family. We want to connect with you. We want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so if you would, pull out your phone and text I did IDID to the number 97000. We can connect with you and help you take those next steps with Jesus. We want you to know we're here for you and you are not alone on this faith journey with him. Hey, it's been awesome to be in God's house this morning. I've enjoyed so much our time together and uh, I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.